Welcome to Eat This Scroll. This is the University Fellowship Church podcast where we get together and talk about what we are chewing on in God's Word. This week, we've got Sean Duncan with us, and Sean is the college and youth ministry pastor here at UFC. Sean, what are you chewing on? Well, this whole summer, I have been chewing on the Sermon on the Mount. So it's Jesus's longest teaching. It covers three chapters in the book of Matthew, Matthew 5, all the way through Matthew 7. Um, It's one of the most well-known teachings of Jesus. Uh, Whether or not people know the contents of it, they are at least uh, usually familiar with the phrase Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and, And the title of his sermon isn't necessarily based off of content, but it's based off of location. And in the Gospel of Luke, it's paralleled uh, with the, what's called the Sermon on the Plains. Um, but I thought that I would just share some some reflections from Sermon on the Mount. Um, I know you meet with other people and ask them things, but I think for a while, at least when you're meeting with me, you're going to hear about the Sermon on the Mount. So Great. that's what I thought we would do today. I love it. Okay, so uh, it starts off Matthew 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. That's all I want to cover. It's just that Let's one. Let's go. It's just that one verse. One and, verse. And expositional um, teaching. I don't know what it's like for you uh, listening or you, Chris, um, or even other people. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure in my own devotional life, uh, with even with this one verse, where you would land is probably the exact same place where I'm gonna, going to land. However, I think our journeys might look a little bit different to get to that destination because um i am what some would call nerdy uh, when it comes to <laughs> the bible yeah. yeah i'm i'm enth- just enthralled with things that literally so many people do not need to worry about or care about <laughs> but i want to just kind of like take you through a, a little path to the same destination that you would probably come to as well let's go all right so it says it says in matthew 5 uh, verse 1 seeing the crowds he went up on the mountain and when he sat down his disciples came to him so the first thing is those crowds um, as you've been reading through the the gospel account in Matthew, he actually hasn't collected the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles yet. Uh, he's only collected a few of them. But what you have heard is just recently in chapter four, he's healing paralytics, he's casting out demons. Uh, he's healing the oppressed. And as he's doing this, those crowds are beginning to follow him. And it says that he sees these crowds following him. So his next decision is to go up onto a mountain. And maybe that's just like a small hill. Um, but Matthew is very particular to call it a mountain. And, and then he sits down and he begins to teach. And then you have the entire Sermon on the Mount. And I think it's really particular that Matthew says he's going up on a mountain. Um, there's these portraits in the Old Testament that the New Testament is picking up and wanting to show Jesus as fulfilling. And one of those portraits uh, is that of Moses. And so Moses leads the people of Israel out, uh, out of the land of Egypt uh, and then towards the promised land. He's the one who um, God performs the 10, um, 10 acts in Egypt uh, of miracles, the, plague, the 10 plagues. Uh, it's through Moses that God gives the law, all 613 commands to the Israelites. It's through Moses that God makes a covenant with the nation of Israel. So Moses is a really important person. And the way God gives the law to Israel and even makes a covenant with Israel, it all takes place at this place called Sinai, which is a mountain. 
Mount Sinai is where Moses goes up onto the mountain to then enter into a covenant on behalf of the people of Israel and then receives the law from God himself from the the mouth of God and then he gives it to the people. And then you get to Deuteronomy chapter 18 and there's this really profound promise that there's going to be a prophet like Moses to come. Uh, So even in the first five books of your Bible, you get to, you hear all about Moses and you're like, man, Moses is awesome, but there's someone better than Moses who's going to come. And actually the way Deuteronomy ends is with Moses's death. And the last few lines says to this day, there still hasn't been a prophet like Moses. Wow. And then you get to the book of Matthew and Matthew is setting up Jesus to be this new Moses. Uh, he doesn't sit, come, just come out explicitly and say, man, he's like so much better than Moses. Instead, what he does is he says he went up on a mountain. And then like, think about the contents of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus begins to um, exposit the Old Testament law. He says, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. Not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commands will be called least in the kingdom. And whoever teaches them and does them will be called the greatest in the kingdom. Uh, and, and then he begins to say, you have heard that it was said, um, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that's an Old Testament law. But then he says, but I say to you, it's as if rather than hearing from a prophet, you're hearing from God himself speak the law. for his people and it's all taking place on a mountain so uh, that's really cool that jesus is being presented as a new moses in the setting of sermon on the mount um but here let's just go like one stage deeper on nerdiness Have have you ever heard of the code of hammurabi no okay you should google it sometime it's currently in the louvre if you ever travel to france you can go to the louvre you can actually see the code of hammurabi and the code of hammurabi is this big stella which is basically just a weird name for like a giant stone that has uh, engraved uh, legal codes on it and it has something like 250 ish codes on it and it's from the seven 1700s bc era so a long time before jesus um, a little be, bit before Moses, um, but it's Old Testament period, like Abraham type of time yeah. frame, and it's it was made in um, ancient Babylon by the king of Babylon, and it's all of these laws, and some of the laws sound really familiar, like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It, it's just like here's how society functions. But at the top of the Code of Hammurabi, there is this inscription, or not inscription. It's a um like a picture carved into the top of the stone. And it's a picture of King Hammurabi. And he's receiving the laws from their gods, from the Babylonian God, but then giving the law. Um, so what you have is the depiction of the king giving the law. Mm. And, and that's very common throughout the ancient Near East. The person who gives the law to the people and the person who embodies the law for the people is the king. Mm. So, Throughout the Old Testament, you have Moses receiving the law and then giving the law. He's actually in this kingly role, too. And right before the promise of a new uh, a prophet like Moses in Deuteronomy 18, you have Deuteronomy 17, which gives the promise of a king. Mm. A king who's going to come, who's going to know the word of God in and out. Who's not going to accumulate wealth, who's not going to accumulate horses, but it's going, basically going to be one who embodies the word of God. So now you have Jesus in the New Testament and he's up on a mountain and he is giving the law. He's not just being presented as a 
new Moses. He's also being presented as a, a, effectively a new David. And that's how Matthew starts uh, his entire gospel. As he says is that it's the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So, you know, this is a story about a, a new and better David, but also a new and better Moses. So the entire center on the Mount, it's then instructions for what it looks like to live uh, with Jesus as your king. And, and knowing that Jesus is the one that you hear um, God himself from and through. Uh, and there's a distinction made in verse one. I think this is where anyone else would land to. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. There's a distinction between the crowds and the disciples. Mm. The disciples come to him and they are at his feet ready to listen and to receive and to have him as king and to have him as prophet and to learn from him, but then to embrace what he's teaching him. And Jesus actually picks that back up in um, Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me all who are burdened and weary, and I will give them rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So the disciple is the one who comes to Jesus. And then that's what, ma- that's what makes the first words of the Sermon on the Mount so sweet, is once the disciples come to him, the, the first words out of Jesus' mouth is not get to work, but blessed you are blessed and that would be a good discussion for another time <laughs> well just to add a or ask a couple questions on that um or or point out something i know that jesus himself makes those distinctions oftentimes of those who come mm-hmm. uh, distinct from those who are present mm-hmm. you know the crowds who are there and in the way he explains parables seems to be different as well so there is a something that he even points out. Yeah. At any point in Jesus's ministry, he rarely does he have a um, exclusive group of just his followers. Usually there's at least an open door for what, what we would essentially say, the non-believer to be present and to be viewing. And I think he does tell some parables about what those types of people are like. Some are really good soil where the seed falls and it grows. Others are rocky soil where at first it seems like it takes, but then a little bit of trouble comes and they're out pretty quick. Um, others just fall on, it falls on rocky soil and it just never takes root and it never grows. The sun scorches it away. Birds come and pluck it away. Um, but yeah, that might be even be instruct- instructive for what it means for like a pastor to preach and who a pastor thinks he's preaching to. Because sometimes throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus really is looking at maybe the outsider when he's talking to them sure. and, and, and calling them to, to be a, the disciple who, who then comes to mm-hmm. him. Um, so he's always inviting, but he speaks primarily to his followers. Yeah, good observation. Yeah. So someone's reading this first one verse there, beginning mm-hmm. the Sermon on the Mount. Um, how do you want this or how has this for yourself impacted how you read scripture, how you in, engage with communion with, with God and just the more normal parts of your life. Yeah. I uh, just, I think there's applying that distinction of the crowds and the disciples, even to my life personally of, am I, am I a part of the crowd or am I a part of the disciples right now? And the mark that you have in verse one is not um, the ministry I do. It's not the good works that I've done. It's not how much I pray. It's not how much I read my Bible. It's about whether or not I start by coming to Jesus. And that's, that's good. the distinction. So there's a lot that anyone can do with their life. But 
really good things uh, don't mean that they're great things. And I think of Mary and Martha in, in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, Martha's just like slaving away in the kitchen trying to make some good food for Jesus. And, and Mary's just sitting in the living room on the, on the floor like to listen to Jesus talk. And, and Martha's like, uh, Jesus, aren't you going to tell her to help me? And Jesus says, Martha, 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 your sister chose the good portion. Yeah. And I want to be someone who chooses the good portion. And the good portion means I don't work for it. And instead, I just receive it. Yeah. So having that posture on a daily basis. Yeah. You show up at Jesus' feet. Mm. And the words he gives you are, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yep. Such good stuff. Yeah. Awesome, Sean. Thank you for coming. I'm yeah, sure man. we'll hear from you soon. Yeah, thanks. All right, brother. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week, so please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. Bye.